Good morning, LifePoint. How are you doing today? Whoa, okay, I got a whoop. So my name is Fred, and I'm your spiritual formation pastor. Uh, But more importantly, I'm a Raiders fan, um, and I want to just set the record straight. The Raiders is the Lord's team, uh, for sure. Uh, And uh, and we need the Lord's help. Um, That's why today I'm going to be talking about hope. I think that's why Kyle assigned me this Sunday. Um, But uh, yeah, so I get to be your spiritual formation pastor. Merry Christmas. Is it about the right time? Okay, Merry Christmas. Uh, If you said it in November, it's sinful. You need to confess. Uh, But you can start saying, I'm kidding. You can start saying it now. Uh, But I'm excited for Advent. Um, We have been uh, in a series the past seven months called Bible in a Year. Have you guys been part of that either online or in person? We've been looking at uh, the Bible from kind of this 10,000 foot view, looking at the scriptures and the story of the scripture. Uh, And we've had about six to seven series leading up until now. And so a couple of places that we have been is we started actually in the book of Genesis at the beginning, talking about uh, creation and covenants. That was our first series, was on creation and covenants, the the creative uh, story of how God created everything and then the special relationships that he made with people. After that, we were in a series called Exodus and Law, looking at God's great rescue from Egypt as God saved his people from slavery and then gave them the law. And if you don't know what that is, think 10 commandments uh, plus a couple, about 600 more. Um, That was the law that he gave. Um, After that, we are in a series called Second, looking at how uh, God's people didn't want God as their king. They wanted a human king. They kind of put God second to put themselves and other people first and how that was not a good thing, okay? We looked at the the kingdom and the temples. After that, we were in a series called Wisdom, talking about how dumb we can be, all right? Um, I think I learned a lot during this series. You guys are, you're very smart. Uh, I'm talking about the nine o'clock, not you guys. Um, But there was a series, I'm kidding, about wisdom and how we can live a better life now how we can learn from from God's wisdom and through the book of of Job and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and things like that. Uh, After that, we are in a series called He Hears Us from the book of Psalms. It was a series on prayer and and, and a history of God's people praying to him, as well as different types of prayers through the book of Psalms. It was kind of our big series. Um, After that, we had a series called Faith and Future about what's coming next, like what's coming next for you and for the whole world and uh, uh, everything alongside that. And then we were in a series called Hot and bothered in the Song of Solomon, okay? I'm kidding. We haven't done that series yet, okay? Kyle's made promises about it, and we'll see if he follows through. We, we did not do that series. Instead, we're in a series called Waiting For, uh, which is our Advent series starting today in the Minor Prophets. And if you don't know what the Minor Prophets are, they're the last books of the Old Testament. It's not that they were JV, like these guys are little guys. Um, it's that their books were just shorter than everybody else's. Um, and so uh, with Advent, uh, it, it involves getting ready because Advent means, the word Advent means arrival. If you didn't know that, uh, Advent simply means arrival, that somebody is arriving and we need to get ready for them. And if you didn't know, there's four weeks of Advent uh, leading up to Christmas. We need a long runway to get ready to celebrate Jesus and his birth and to hang lights and do all those kinds of things. And each week has a candle. If you guys noticed, uh, Roy and Tracy lit the first candle of hope, and there's going to be a couple more candles. The first one, like I said, is hope. We're going to focus on the hope this person is going to bring. After that is the theme of peace. And this is the peace that this person brings with God and with each other. Uh, After that is the theme of joy. The third week is joy, the candle of joy. And the fourth week is the candle of love. Okay. Um, I love love. I know you guys love love and we need love in our lives. And this person brings this ultimate love to us. But 
When I talk about Christmas and Advent, I bet none of you are thinking, I've got to go buy my Advent candles, right? That's not the icon of Christmas. For you guys, what, what's kind of the thing when you think of Christmas? What, what do we think about? What image? It's the tree, isn't it? The Christmas tree. Um, you guys go uh, either, you know, dust off your box in the garage and you get the thing out and you have to fluff the tree. I didn't know what that was until Wendy asked me to fluff one of the trees here and I had to like make it all straight and look beautiful. Um, you get it looking good. Uh, for some of you guys, you go to the tree lot, don't you? You go support FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, either in Carson or here and you guys go and buy a tree there um, and then you bring it home and decorate it. And some of you guys are crazy. You go 50 miles into the wilderness to find the perfect tree and then you cut it down with your family and then you drag it back to your house, right? You got to get all the, the mice and the birds out of there and then you put it in your, I don't understand you guys, but I love you. I don't understand why you do that. Um, you can find a tree much easier than that, but, it, but that's like part of what you do. And so the, the story of the first Christmas tree that was ever lit was um, of a guy named Martin Luther. Um, it was Germany in the 1500s. It was cold. It was a dark winter. He was depressed. His family was depressed. And he was kind of worried because uh, Christmas was coming, but nobody was excited. So what he did, uh, which makes total sense, he walked out into the middle of the forest, chopped down a tree, drug it into his house, put it in the middle of his house, and then he put a candle on his tree and then he lit these candles and while his wife is running to get water to put out the fire, he's showing his family that, that Jesus is the light of the world, the light in the darkness, isn't he? Um, that Jesus lights up the darkness that as this Messiah, this Christ to come, the word Messiah simply means anointed king. It's talking about a king. Um, um, uh, that he lights up the world. And the reason it's an evergreen tree is because everything else is dead in winter, isn't it? Uh, everything else is brown except for the evergreen, which is green. And that represents the life of Jesus, the life and the light of Jesus. Um, and that's kind of an interesting um, way to think about. We have to get ready for Advent. Like if we want to experience the fullness of the season, the fullness of hope, we've got to do some homework to get ready, okay? We've got to prepare ourselves. So growing up, I hated homework. Anybody here love homework? No, nobody. Okay, if there was one person at the first service, uh, nobody, likes, nobody likes homework. But, but um, growing up, I hated homework. And the reason I hated homework is because I did not like school, okay? I would sit in class in elementary school. I didn't understand what they were talking about. I had terrible vision, and I wouldn't wear my glasses because nowadays glasses are cool. Back then, you got beat up, okay? Or at least I thought that. So I wouldn't wear my pearl visions. I would leave them at home. Um, and so uh, I wouldn't learn anything in school. Then I'd have to go home and do homework, which is to prepare for more what? You prepare again for school, and it was lame. I didn't like it. Um, there was Nintendo to be played. The Triforce was not going to assemble itself, right, for any Zelda fans. Uh, there was uh, bikes to be ridden. I want to ride my, 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 my friends, ride down to the train station, hop on the payphone, do some things I shouldn't have done. Um, and and in, I like to jump off things. Like, I'd like to jump off the roof of my garage in our backyard. I did not like to do homework until... Uh, the fifth grade. Um, I was in band um, about a year and a half in. I was actually found out that I didn't actually know how to play the flute. I acted like I did. And it, you, you know, in elementary school, you can kind of hide incompetence if you guys didn't know that. And then all of a sudden, the teacher assigned me. She figured out what happened. She assigned me Ode to Joy. I had to learn that song by the next day or I wasn't going to be in band. Um, and so I stayed up what felt like all night long in the family room um, with my sheet music, trying to play Ode to Joy. And at some point during that night, I actually began to play the notes and I recognized the music and it sounded beautiful. And I began to have this confidence that I was actually learning and mastering something. You guys ever had an experience like that? Like, this is terrible, this is terrible. Oh no, I actually got it. And this is awesome. And that kind of brought 
a, a measure of hope. And that's the connection between hope and homework. Is that, is that hope is all about getting ready for something, isn't it? Hope is this idea that there's this concrete reality that's, that's out there, that's coming, that's going to happen, and we need to prepare ourselves for it. Um, it's not just a good feeling that the Raiders are going to win. I really hope they do, right? But it's this concrete reality off in the future. And what that means is that we need to get ready. If we're going to experience... Advent, we have to be ready, guys. You have to do your homework. You have to prepare for what's going to happen. So with Advent, um, um, this is kind of a talking about this idea of preparation. There's two kinds of people, okay? And I think you're going to know what kind of person you are, and you know the people around you, what kind of person they are. So with Advent, uh, you're either preparing with anticipation. You're like, you know it's coming. You're getting ready for Christmas, or you're waiting to be surprised, okay? Um, and so uh, the best place to see these two types of people, these two things, is at Walmart and in the Bible, okay? And you can figure out which one's more important. Um, but at Walmart, you, you see this. Uh, when, when somebody uh, wakes up December 24th and they go about their day all day, then at 8 p.m. they realize, oh no, tomorrow's Christmas. I need to get my mom a present. And they go drive down to Walmart on Lake Mead Boulevard in Las Vegas, and they buy their mom Stetson cologne because that's all that they can afford that's left in the store. And then they package it like a two-year-old and then they give it to their mom. That's, that's, you're waiting to be surprised. I don't know who, who we're talking about here. Um, uh, I don't know this person. And then secondly, uh, uh, you also see that Walmart, not the day before, but the day after Christmas. The people who are prepared, they're at Walmart buying everything on clearance, getting the toys, the, the wrapping paper, the decorations. And before they put everything away, they've already wrapped their presents for next year and they put them in a box, they've labeled it. Um, and they put it, you know, away. Um, and then they've been secretly listening to Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas album all year. Like, you guys could not wait to get ready for Christmas. And we know who you are. Like, the people who, like, are, always want to listen to Christmas music. Uh, and we love you. Um, we put up with you and we love you. But, but those are the two kinds of people. Um, and also, in my family, my dad is, like, the former. He's the guy who, like, he starts getting ready when everybody's in the car. If you guys know that kind of person. And then my mom is very much the prepared person as well. And so the other place that we get to see this is not just with Mariah Carey, but also in the Bible. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, there's kind of two groups of people getting ready for Advent, um, or at least interacting with Advent. One of them is like anticipating and getting ready, and the other ones have no idea what's happening. Um, and it's kind of ironic which group is which, okay? So it says this, Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born, by the way, he's the guy we're getting ready for, if you didn't know. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, that was a Roman-appointed ruler, wise men from the east... Um, probably from Persia, uh, India, or China, um, pretty far away, arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was excited. No, and when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. Along with all of Jerusalem, the whole city was disturbed that the Messiah could have come, okay? So he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers or among the, the clans or the towns of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people 
Israel. What we see here is these wise men, these astrologers who didn't worship God, didn't uh, know him, but they had heard a prophecy about a Jewish Messiah to come, a Jewish king that was coming. They had studied the stars for years, maybe even decades, watching for this king's star to rise. And that was kind of a sign to them that this king was born. And when they see his star rise, they prepare for this journey. They get a lot of their riches and their treasure together to give as a gift. And what's implied is they set out on a two-year journey to Jerusalem. They were pretty far away. And when they get to Jerusalem, there's like this excitement. They're expecting a celebration. They're expecting people to be overjoyed. And they're expecting an answer to their question, where is the new king that was just born um, these last uh, couple years? And when they get there, uh, King Herod and everybody else is shocked that this happened. They have no idea that another king has been born. And the irony is that they should have been the ones getting ready They knew where the king was going to be born. They could have sent people every week to check, is the king here, is the king here? But they didn't do it. They were not ready for what was going to come. And if we're being honest, guys, we're kind of the same way. Like we have the oracles of God. We have the word of God. We have, we, we even know what has happened, but we don't get ready. And a lot of us are surprised when it comes to talking about Jesus' birth and incarnation. That simply is talking about his birth. We get caught off guard around Christmas time because we haven't been considering Jesus. We haven't been doing our homework, okay? Um, and so my main point today is hope means homework. I know I, you guys don't like it. I get that. I don't like it either, but homework does something powerful as we prepare we're actually ready to experience these bigger realities, okay? And so we're going to go through Micah chapter 5, which was the prophecy that uh, they showed to Herod about the Messiah to come. Um, and we're really going to look at uh, three different things. We're going to go to school. Micah's going to take us to class, and he's going to show us three different things. Um, first, he's going to show us... Um, oh, go back one slide. Um, first, he's going to show us where will he come from, okay? Like this Messiah is coming, where will he come from, and why should we care? Second, he's going to show us who will he be, like who's the Messiah going to be, what's he going to be like, and lastly, he's going to show us what will he do. Um, And my main point is the main point of what we're going to talk about today, and that is hope means homework, okay? So let's start here at Micah chapter 5, verse 1. It says this. It says, Now, daughter who is under attack, you slash yourself in grief. A siege is set against us. So there was a battle happening or about to happen. Um, There was an army coming about to uh, surround or siege uh, Israel, okay? Um, They are striking the judge or the the king of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Bethlehem Ephrathah. Ephrathah simply means, it's another word for Bethlehem. You are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origins is from antiquity, from ancient times. So, so to give some context of Micah, uh, Micah was written about 700 BC. That's when the prophet Micah lived. And he was a messenger from God for the, the nation of Judah, okay? Um, which was kind of a nation of God's people. So back then, guys, Israel was actually two different nations, two different countries. The northern kingdom had separated from Judah, and that was like the majority of the tribes. Ten tribes were in the north. Their capital was Samaria. And then in the south was Judah, which was Judah and Benjamin. Their capital was Jerusalem. And by this time, uh, the, the northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed, and the tribes had been wiped out. The, they, don't, they don't appear again in history. The, the tribes are gone, the northern 10 tribes. Um, And it's because of an empire called Assyria that had come in and destroyed them. And now Assyria was starting to make its way towards uh, Jerusalem. And and they knew that something bad was going to happen. And so uh, Micah is giving these prophecies, um, uh, not only of deliverance that God was going to help them, but also of judgment. 
Um, if you didn't know, God's people by this time had gotten pretty bad, okay? Um, um, they, they had the law of God. They had priests. They had miraculous signs. They even had prophets. But these guys had turned away from God and began to worship other gods that weren't really gods, like little, little false gods. And they began to do it in kind of the mainstream of society, which is like a slap in the face to God, who saved his people and who loved his people and who revealed himself to them. And on top of that, and this was kind of the last straw, um, Judah was um, 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 prospering economically because of where they were, kind of the crossroads of a lot of different uh, empires. Um, and, and there was kind of this wealthy merchant class that had emerged, and they began to underpay their workers. And then they began to steal land from families, that they would, use, they would bribe judges and rulers to take land that they wanted to make themselves more rich. And because of that, God sends prophets saying, hey, it's all going to end. It's all going to go bad. Not only are you going to be attacked now, but in a hundred years, this will happen again and you will be surrounded and the temple will be destroyed and people will die and then you will go into exile for 70 years. Um, and so that's kind of the context uh, of Micah is that he's speaking out against the sinful nation about the bad things that are coming, but also about some good things. The Messiah is one of those good things. And so um, to answer the question, where will he come from? Micah is going to show that he's going to come from anguish. He'll come from ambiguity and he's going to come from antiquity. Um, and so we've seen a little bit how he comes out of anguish, that, that in this brokenness of rebellion, and, the, and then a lot of the people dying because of um, God sending this other nation to destroy them, um, it would just be brokenness. And what we're going to see here in a minute, it wasn't just brokenness then, it was actually brokenness for a long time, and it's been happening for a long time. So the Messiah is going to come from anguish, from, from brokenness. And secondly, what he says is that he's going to come from ambiguity. Micah 5.2 says this. Um, he says, uh, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans or the towns of Judah. One will come from me to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. And so what we see here is that this, this Messiah to come is going to come out of a no-name kind of town, okay? So all of us here at Bethlehem, and we're like, oh yes, of course, Bethlehem, that is the town. Jesus would have been born in Bethlehem. But back then, Bethlehem was kind of a has-been town, okay? Like you guys ever been back east to like a, a town that used to have like a big steel mill that shut down? It was like a shell of a town. It's kind of, its heyday had peaked and it was in decline. And what, what God is saying through Micah is that this would be the place where this anointed king is going to be born in obscurity. Um, and just as a little aside, I mean, that's kind of God's MO, isn't it? Like working with nothing to bring about everything, like working in obscurity to do something powerful and amazing. And that's exactly what he did. He would come from Bethlehem. And lastly, it says that his origin would be from antiquity, from ancient times, which sounds kind of weird that, that this guy is going to be older than his mom. I don't know how that works, right? Like he'd be older than his people. He'd even be older than time itself. And, and what Micah is doing is he's ratcheting this up. He's raising the bar to say that this Messiah to come, there's, there's not many people who can fit the bill of who this person is going to be. They're going to have to be eternal is what he's saying of ancient times, which is pretty incredible. Um, but, but this Messiah would come out of um, antiquity from ambiguity, but also anguish. And like I said, it's, it's kind of always been bad. So my definition of bad is very simple, not good, right? So when so something is bad is because it's not good. And since the beginning of the Bible, things have kind of not been good. There's been Beautiful things, but there's been a lot of brokenness. So let's just kind of walk through. Because I know sometimes we're like, oh, these stories are just amazing of Noah and the animals. And we kind of forget all the dark sides of it. So uh, the first um, 
couple to ever live, Adam and Eve, they conspired with a demon against God. Okay? That's kind of off to a bad start. What do you guys think? Is that a bad thing? Maybe a little bit? A little bit? Okay. Their son murdered his brother. We've got some real problems now, don't we? Um, and we're just, we're just two generations in. This is two generations into humanity, okay? Um, ten generations later, human evil led God to kill virtually everyone through a flood. One family was saved. Everybody else was destroyed. Um, after that, um, Noah got drunk after he got off the boat and exposed himself to his son. Okay, it's in there. It's really strange. But again, this is the evil. This is the brokenness. This is, this is the anguish, right? Um, um, if we keep going, Abraham's nephew impregnated his two daughters. And then priests slept with women in the tabernacle. Um, um, and we're just to the book of Judges in the Bible, okay? And that's really early on, man. This is, the brokenness has been there. I know you're like, well, I got kids, Fred. We got to do earmuffs on that, right? Um, this has been happening for a long time. This brokenness has existed um, this anguish has existed. And this is the context of where, this is where Jesus comes from, okay? Out of the ashes of the brokenness. Um, and so now we've seen where he's going to come from. We're going to see now who he is. Maybe this will be a little more, a little more peppy, right? Like I came here because Advent, we need to be positive. It says this, Micah 3 uh, or 5 verse 3. It says, therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the ruler's brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord. In the majestic name of the Lord his God, they will live securely for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. So this ruler to come, this anointed king, uh, Micah answers the question of who he's going to be by saying he'll be a son. Um, he's going to be a savior. Um, let's pop over to the next slide. Perfect. Uh, he'll be a son, he'll be a savior, and he'll be a shepherd. And so what Micah says is that after Israel is destroyed, after Judah has been destroyed, after the exile, um, and, and the ruler has been struck on the face with a rod, that's talking about King Zedekiah. Um, the Babylonian king told his soldiers to hit him in the head with a rod until he went blind, and then he killed his kids and put him in prison until he died, okay? It was a very bad ending. Um, and what we see here um, is, is that uh, Israel would be abandoned in a sense until this anointed king would come. And this doesn't mean that God was not going to love his people or hear their prayer, but this does mean that his presence would not fully dwell with his people until Jesus' cry pierces the night and this child is born because now God has, is, is here with us in the fullness of himself. Does that make sense? God now dwells with us um, in his son, Jesus. And that's why he says, hey, when the woman gives birth, that's when I will not abandon my people anymore. So he's going to be a son and he's going to be a savior. And what this means is that he was going to save God's people from destruction, but also he was going to save God's people from exile. If you guys uh, remember, uh, God's people had been dispersed all throughout the, uh, the, the empire of Babylon, and this king was going to bring them back. But what's implied here is not just that he was going to bring Jewish men and women back to himself. He would actually draw people of all nations to himself. And what he's talking about is the church, is he's talking about us. He's talking about not just the Jews, but the Gentiles would be drawn back to himself. Um, and, and so again, the, the bar is pretty high, right? There's not many people that can fit the bill that can, that can fulfill what Micah is talking about here. And lastly, he's going to be a shepherd. He is going to protect and provide for God's people. He's going to lead them and he's going to care for them. And, and so I think the question is, why should I care? 
Like if, like if you're here today, we're reading this prophecy, why should I care about who he is? I, I guess I understand who he is. I know where he came from. We should get excited about like presents, peanut butter cookies, right? We should get excited about honey ham. We don't do turkey. We do honey ham at this church. On I'm kidding. You do what you want. Uh, but, but a lot of us, we say we should just get excited. We shouldn't really care about who he is. And the reason is I'm not getting ready for anybody. Like, I'm not getting ready for Joe Schmo, loser king who's going to show up and probably fail his people and then be killed early on. Like, but, but if I understand who this person is, if I understand that, that this is the creator, that this is God's son, that this is the one who gives me every breath, this is the one who was there when I was born, this is the one who knit me together and, and gives me everything good in existence, who paints the sunrises and, and gives us mountains and gives us lakes. Man, I'm going to get ready for him. That's why it's important to know who he is. He is, he is the savior, he's the shepherd, he's the son, and he is the king. Um, and that's why Micah is just setting this up for us. He wants people to get ready. And what's kind of sad is they really don't. Um, all you guys have heard the story before of Jesus. I think maybe most of you have. If you're here and you don't know him, um, thank you for being here and hearing about him or joining us online. But most of you have heard of who Jesus is. And I think if you don't know him a lot, I think you can relate well to believers because we forget about him pretty often. I'll be honest, for me, I forget about Jesus often, guys. And he's my king. He's given up his life for me. He was born to give me life. And, and Jesus came to die. If you didn't know that, the reason Jesus was born was to die on a cross for us. And so, and so that's, why, that's why we need to get ready. That's why we need to do our homework. We need to be prepared. And so my last point will be, what will he do? And we'll, this will be kind of what we end on today. Um, it says this in Micah um, chapter 5, verse, uh, one more back. Or no, 5, 5 to 6, sorry. It says this, Micah 5, 5. It says, he will be their peace. When Assyria invades our land, when it marches against our fortresses, we will raise against it seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. And what he's talking about here is not like the number. He's talking about completeness. So it'll be like you're fighting seven armies and seven generals when the other people invade. They will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with a drawn blade. So he will rescue us from Assyria when it invades our land, when it marches against our territory. And so lastly, uh, Micah is going to show us that the, this Messiah to come, he's going to reign. Uh, he's going to repress his enemies and he's going to rescue, okay? Um, he's going to come in power and he's going to do these things. And that's why we love him. And, and that's also why it can be hard to relate to the book of Micah because nobody here was out last week fighting the Assyrians, right? Anybody here fighting the Assyrians last week in battle with a blade? No, we weren't. Um, um, and so the Israelites, their great enemies were the Assyrians and the Babylonians, okay? Even in the Bible, if you've ever read Revelation, uh, the evil empire of the world that's kind of always been there is called Babylon, okay? And so these places were just godless enemies of Israel, of God's people. Um, but we're not fighting these enemies today. I think um, we have different enemies. Like, I think you guys have different things. And some of these enemies um, that kind of surround you uh, are, are pretty evident, a little more evident, right? So anxiety, Anybody here ever have anxiety that something's happening and something's not going to happen or this? What about this? Uh, depression? Um, maybe anger? Maybe lust? Maybe betrayal? Maybe divorce? Maybe your kids are, are fighting against you? Maybe they've walked away from the Lord? Like, like there's these things that are happening, this darkness in your life. And when you start focusing on the darkness, you see how much it surrounds you, don't you? Um, but I would say that's not your greatest enemies. 
those things are not your biggest problems. Your biggest problems, I would contend, are, are death. Our greatest enemies are death. Um, all of us are born to die. If you didn't know that, everybody's going to die. I'm getting older as a person, and I just am starting to realize that I'm going to die, that I'm not going to be around forever, and that I'm feeling that way myself. Um, death will take us all because of the fall, because of what Adam and Eve did. Um, um, our, another enemy is sin. Sin is inside of all of us. I know a lot of us look back at Adam and Eve and we're like, dude, those guys were idiots, right? They did disobeyed God and I would never, I would never disobey, which is so silly because we do. Like we know what they did, but we still continue in it. Um, all of us make idols. Just like the nation of Israel, we're making idols. And if you, if you disagree, um, I would say, look in the mirror and see how excited you get and then look at your Bible and see how excited you don't get. That's one, that's one just example that, that that might be an idol. Even yourself is an idol. Other people, are, our kids can be idols. Our jobs, like sin is everywhere. It surrounds us. Um, and lastly, we have an enemy and his name is, is Satan. Um, Satan was a servant of God. He, he, was, an, he was an angel um, and he fell. We don't know exactly why, but that it was connected to his pride. And he's actively opposed to us, Okay. And if you don't know Jesus, you're like, this is very weird that we're talking about a demon flying around. Yes, we do believe in that because he exists and he actively opposes the fellowship of God's people, the hope of Advent, the beauty of the gospel, the glory of the son of God. He's against us and he's coming after you. Like that's just the reality. So these are our great enemies. And I think sometimes we forget what our enemies are. And we forget the darkness that is around us. And, and that's, why, um, that's why Advent brings so much hope. Like getting back to the main theme of this week it, 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 is it's dark. And, and I mean, you can look back in history in the Bible and see the darkness. And what's happening is hope is not hope unless it's dark. Do you guys understand that? Like there can be no hope unless God shuts off the lights in every single place so his sun will shine bright. And all throughout history, God lets his people turn out the lights into this darkness. And in that darkness, he sends Jesus to give us hope. He sends the Messiah to give us hope that, that, that things, guys, things can actually get better. Do you guys believe that? Like that there's this concrete reality that is going to happen, that you will rise if you have put your faith in Jesus. And no matter what happens, you can see beyond it into the hope that is to come. Um, and that's kind of helps us make sense of this life. So what, one of my favorite movie uh, series is The Lord of the Rings, okay? I have not read the books, in case you nerds want to know. Um, I know, and if you've read the books, you're not a nerd. Well, you are kind of, but um, I, love, I love the movies, okay? I have not read the books. And in the movie, there's what's called The Fellowship of the Ring. It's a group of people uh, who are tasked with destroying the ring of power, okay? This ring that can give uh, the Dark Lord uh, uh, just destruction over all of Middle Earth. And it falls at the end of it to two hobbits, these little creatures, to get the ring to this volcano in Mordor. I know it sounds kind of weird, but, but, but hang with me. To drop it in there to destroy the ring of power. And as they're going, uh, the, the fellowship has broken down. People have betrayed each other. People have died. And it's just these two hobbits in this dark land. And, and they're starting to, to give out. They're starting to, to lose hope that it's going to be okay, that they're actually going to live. They knew that they're probably going to die. And, and Samwise um, Gamgee, he's kind of like the best friend of Frodo. He's kind of the winning man, right? He gives hope. Um, he gives Frodo this speech and, and kind of tries to instill hope in him by talking about the darkness and why the darkness has to exist and what it's going to bring. Um, he says this, 
um, in Lord of the Rings. It says, um, it's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? I think a lot of us think that about our lives. How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. What we see here is just as this tree illuminates the darkness, Jesus came to illuminate the darkness so that it is just a passing thing. The darkness, I mean, of every part of broken life, maybe, of the mind and the heart and the family and all these things, it's, it's going to pass. And there's an eternal beauty and glory in life with God. And, and just to be honest, guys, like, I, I think that some of us just need to take stock in seeing how, how bad things are getting. Um, take stock of how surrounded you are. Because I think once, once the lights get low and we stop pretending that, that everything's okay, um, that's when Christ begins to shine, Come on, yeah. right? Like that, that's when the beauty of, of Jesus and the Messiah just shines so bright Amen. in our lives. Amen. And that's when we're actually going to have hope. And, yeah. and to get there, guys, we've got to get ready. We have, we have homework to do. And I'm so sorry to be that person, but you have homework to do. And, and if you can push through and do these, the, these next steps that we're going to talk about here, um, I think that you're going to experience the fullness of Advent and even the experience of hope. So, um, our first homework assignment is to be ready. Um, it's to be ready by the time Christmas gets here. And that, that might mean you opening the Bible. Yes. If you don't know, like there's like a, a black book you sat on when you got on here. You're like, wait, what is this book I'm sitting on? It's called a Bible. Um, and in the Bible, there's accounts of Jesus' life and his birth and his early childhood and why he came. You guys can read that in the New Testament, or you can go to the Old Testament. I don't care if you know Jesus or not, you can get ready for Christmas by reading these stories. And then you can show off to your Christian friends, oh, look what I know about Jesus, right? Except the Lord will actually change your heart. Um, but get ready, read the Bible, pray with your family, pray with your friends, pray with your small group. Like actually get ready. And actually, wait a minute, if I, who, who is this person who is coming? Stop living in this like weird place of, just like, oh, Jesus is cute. He's a baby. He, I guess he came to do some really cool stuff. Instead, see, man, he's the eternal God yes. who's coming to change all things. Yes, and without him, I'm, I'm hopeless. Right. I'm truly hopeless without him. So, so be ready. Get ready and be ready by the time it gets here. The second uh, homework assignment is to be careful. Like these guys in the Old Testament, the Israelites, 700 BC, they had the oracles of God. They had the word of God up until that point. They had a temple, they had signs, they had prophets, and they didn't guard their heart. They turned to other things that were not God. And what was sad is they continued in that to some degree all the way until Jesus was born. So man, be careful what you let in. Like this season's gonna demand so much from you. Like there are so many shortcuts to say, you know what, if I just do this to, to have these people like me, if I spend more on this thing to get this person to like me, life will get better. If I, hey, if I go into debt just to get through the season, life will, will get better. Or um, um, if I just try to please people, or if I just buy into the busyness, that's probably the, the worst one, right? Is that there's so many parties, there's so many events, there's so many cookies to be baked. Um, um, we kind of forget that that's not our, our God. Um, and again, if you want to know what your God is, um, see what excites you the most. And just be honest. Like, I, got, I don't get excited by these things, but man, this thing excites me. 
And then be careful what you let in. Let Christ be the center. Let him be the hope. And lastly, uh, be extravagant, right? Uh, The king came to bring gifts to us. He came to give us eternal life. He came to give us hope. He came to give us peace and joy and love. So be extravagant. Go get a tree. If your friend or your spouse or your kids are hounding you, your grandkids, go buy the tree, guys. Just go do it. If you need one, I guess you could steal one, but don't do that. Um, but, but, but find a tree, go buy a fake tree if you need to, right? Um, go get a tree and decorate it, light it up and be reminded uh, of the beauty of Christ. Decorate your homes, right? Um, get out on the ladder and and hang all your lights. Um, start thinking of generous ways you can bless people, uh, who aren't going to receive love and attention this Christmas. Maybe it's, uh, uh, through the tree in the lobby, you're going to grab a tag and, and bring a present, um, for a child. Or maybe it's through, through giving something to a family member who doesn't have enough. Or maybe it's just through you being extravagant with your friends. Maybe you're the stingy friend. We know who you are. Okay. Um, uh, I'm kidding. We don't know who you are. That's, that's kind of mean. Uh, but maybe, maybe you just hold back because you're afraid, hey, if, if I'm a little bit more generous, I'm going to lose what's most important to me. Um, be extravagant um, and see what the Lord does with that. So let's pray. Um, and then um, we're going to send you guys out. Um, Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who is the light of the world. Thank you that he brings us hope. Um, um, hope can be such a neutral term unless we understand how dark it really is. Um, I think a lot of us don't want to get near that darkness, don't want to edge near it because it can consume us. Um, But I pray, Lord, that we would um, understand that we are facing death, that we have sin, that we have a great enemy named Satan who's coming for us. And we need your son Jesus way more than we could ever imagine. So would you give us the grace just to admit that, that first step of saying, I need him, I need this hope. Um, and, And in that, would you lead us to get ready? We need to get ready for Advent, Father. A lot of us don't get ready. We're like shocked and surprised on December 24th. Um, instead of preparing ourselves for the birth of your son. Help us um, as we head out of here, Father. Help us to just get ready for Advent. Help us to be ready, not just to always begin. Help us to, to be ready and to experience the beauty and the hope of the season. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, thank you for gathering today. Uh, we are going to be uh, gathering the next three weeks leading up to Advent. And next week, join us as we talk about waiting for peace and the peace that God brings. Have a great Sunday.